Welcome to Crosspoint. 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 An interactive program featuring ministers and leaders of the Christian community addressing the issues that are challenging the church today. Here's your host, Mark Taylor. There are people in this world, some even consider themselves Christians, who believe that the world is flat and want you to believe it as well. You've tuned in to Crosspoint. I'm your host, Mark Taylor, and today's guest is Dr. Danny Faulkner, and we are going to discuss his book, Falling Flat. Welcome to Crosspoint, and today on Crosspoint, folks, I have a very interesting subject. Uh, a book called Falling Flat, and I've met people like this before. They are out there uh, that believes the earth is flat. And uh, we've got Dr. Danny Faulkner with us today who wants to kind of refutation of these flat earth claims, especially since Christians have kind of got involved in this discussion. And so, uh, Dr. Faulkner, thanks for joining us here today on Crosspoint. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I want to kind of start here in chapter one. I want to read just a little bit what you wrote. You say, many people probably wonder why it's necessary uh, to write a book about a flat earth. After all, we had settled this question five centuries ago with Christopher Columbus, you know, proving the earth was round. Uh, Beginning, though, you said in 2012, there's been a major resurgence in the interest of a flat earth. And you talk about a man named Eric Dubay who had been posting on the internet and publishing books on the subject. And then you said, much of this has been promoted on the internet, particularly through social media. But some more prominent leaders have got involved in this flat earth movement. And you mentioned a couple of Christians uh, that's named Robbie Davison and Rob uh, Sikwa. And you say uh, they have promoted this Christian version of a flat earth upon their understanding, you know, the Bible. And you said there is a wide diversity of theological beliefs within this flat earth movement, even with conservative Christians. And so this is kind of what got your interest stirred that you needed to talk about this issue and uh, make it more, uh, you know, get involved in the discussion of it, I guess. Yes, that's very important. My uh, my primary focus has been on the biblical side of it all, uh, primarily because it, it has unfortunately sucked a number of Christians up into this movement, and it's dividing churches, dividing households. I've uh, heard from uh, men and women both who their spouse has gotten deeply involved in this, and uh, it really produces a strain on the relationship because this becomes a very consuming passion for people once they get deeply into it. So now, it is a problem that I've seen out there. Yeah. Now, you have actually attended... Uh, the first International Flat Earth Conference in November of 2017, as well as the second one in 2018. So what did you learn from this? I also went to the third one in 2019 as well. Yeah. (laughs) uh, You know, I I didn't know what to expect when I went to the first one. I I was kind of wanting to go incognito, hoping nobody would notice me, kind of stay under the radar. But it turns out a couple people recognized me (laughs) and knew that I was not a flat earther. And they were cool about it. uh, And... So then I was emboldened, and so uh, by the end of that first meeting, uh, a lot of people knew who I was and that I was there, and uh, most people treated me very well. Uh, amazingly enough, I've actually made a few friends among the Flat Earth movement. I got a few people out there <laughs> that don't like me very much, as it turns out, but you know, we, we, we need to learn to be, uh, be able to disagree without being disagreeable. 
without getting our emotions all worked yes. up and, and shouting at each other. And that happens an awful lot, I've discovered. It does. And I've tried to avoid that as much as possible. But I uh, got to meet people. I, I listened uh, to every presentation or every every program. They have usually two or three people speaking, so I'd pick from the program which one I wanted to go to. I would interact with people. I would sit down with average everyday people who were not speakers but just attendees, and there were hundreds of people at these meetings. And just to ask them a series of questions, I, I, I would try to engage them. Well, how far away do you think the sun and the moon are? Um, uh, and then I'd ask them other questions. What causes eclipses and things? And and I would hear them say things to me I knew were false. As an astronomer, uh, I knew they were false. But I had to bite my tongue and not argue with them. I wasn't there to argue or debate. I was there to learn. And so um, uh, I, I really picked up, I think, on the on the on the movement. I continue to monitor, by the way. There are some um, YouTube channels out there. There are other uh, discussion groups out there. I, and I do try to limit my t- time on this, but I need to keep abreast of changes that are taking place, new arguments, new people that come into the field, and just try to figure out where this movement's going. I, I am glad to report that I, I believe, uh, starting about three, three or four years ago, the movement, uh, the growth started to slow down. Yeah. Uh, I think it kind of, kind of peaked around 2019 or so, and then after that, it, it began to to uh, not be growing quite so alarmingly fast. It is continuing to grow, however. Yeah. Now, yeah, I know a few people that believe this, and, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm just, you know, it's kind of hard to argue with them, but now that basically is why you got involved in this, though, is because Christians kind of had a Christian version of this flat earth uh, cosmology, you know, uh, about how the uh, building a biblical foundation on a flat earth. And that's kind of why you joined into the discussion. Is that correct? Yes, I was most concerned with that. I mean, the truth is truth, and I'd like to refute that. But, you know, we, I work here at Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum, the Ark Encounter, and we're committed to, to biblical authority. And when I see people falsely claiming that the Bible teaches the earth is flat, well, I, I need to I need to counter that. Yeah. And and I think I'm uniquely qualified to do that with my background in astronomy and physics and also some of my biblical knowledge that I have. So I think I'm in a, in a unique position to actually take this on better than better than most people can. Now, on page 17 of the book, I'm just going to read at the top of it here, it says, one obstacle uh, to believe in a flat earth is the realization that if the earth truly is flat, many people must know that the earth is flat despite being told it's a sphere. So why do these people supposedly know better and continue to lie about the earth's shape? Uh, So, Dr. Faulkner, is this some kind of a tied to New Age beliefs? Uh, I, I guess it can be viewed as that. Uh, there are certainly, as I mentioned in the book early on, uh, that there are new agers involved. Uh, but there are some people who who seem to take Scripture seriously, and they, they really latch on to this. And what really happens here is, again, there would be, be so many government officials, astronauts, scientists, so many people who would have to know the Earth is a flat, but is really flat, but pretend or, or try to tell everybody that it isn't. It's, it's, a, it's a globe that the only way you can support belief that the Earth is flat is that there must be this huge conspiracy out there. So people like me probably are part of that conspiracy or just dupes that have been really fooled deeply by it. And that that takes you to some really weird places because you begin to believe more and more and more conspiracies that keep adding to it. I've kind of referred this as the mother load of conspiracies because it's absorbed so many other conspiracies that have been floating around out there. 
And this ultimately has a bad effect upon people. It, it turns them into uh, uh, kind of negative people. Nothing is real. Uh, everything you hear on the news is false. And on and on and on it goes. They, they live in a very strange world and uh, very suspicious of everything and everybody. They're suspicious of authority. They're suspicious of institutions. They think that answers in Genesis will sell out. They think many pastors and Christian universities are, are sellouts. So, I mean, that's the kind of weird world that people descend in, and that's, that's dangerous, and that's the caustic effect it's been having on church congregations and upon um, individuals and families. Uh, consider this. if you, um, you know, a, lot of, a lot of flat earthers get really excited. They, they think the Bible teaches this, and they try to convince their pastor and church leadership that the earth is flat. And when their church leadership and their pastor uh, do not accept that, then that means then that if there's a vast conspiracy and there's this huge uh, lie being promoted, that their pastor and their church leadership are being duped. They've fallen for the lie as well. And, of course, we know who the father of lies is. It's it's Satan, the devil. And so um, eventually flat earthers end up not going to church anywhere because they can't trust their church leadership. If they're so easily fooled by this big conspiracy and this big lie, then um, they certainly don't have spiritual discernment. So I found that flat earthers uh, will not stay in church. Eventually they will leave church and not associate with any church body at all. And that's dangerous as well. Now, what is the big deal about arguing over the shape of the earth, you know, is this an attempt to control people or maintain some kind of a, a belief in something else? Uh, is it, you know, linked to something from the past and paganism or something like that? Or is it something that maybe people are trying to tie into the end times? Oh, all, all of the above. Okay. <laughs> they are, the argument is, you know, the, they, they tie together uh, the globe earth to, to heliocentrism. Uh, heliocentrism, meaning the sun is the center of things, and they say, well, see, that's sun worship, this ancient pagan belief, and so the people who promote, you know, cram sun worship, uh, heliocentrism down our throats, they're really uh, wanting to worship the sun, and they make up all sorts of fake history about this. There's a real problem here right away, uh, there's the fact that just because the earth may be a globe, it doesn't follow that it orbits the sun. In fact, in the West, we've pretty much widely believed the the Earth is a globe for more than 2,000 years. You know, Aristotle wrote in 350 B.C. on the heavens, where he gave several arguments for the Earth being a globe. The Ptolemaic model was written in the early 2nd century A.D., and it was a standard cosmology in the West for 15 centuries. So people in the West have known the Earth as a globe for more than 2,000 years. But it was only about 400 years ago that people abandoned geocentrism for heliocentrism. And that is the... the uh, uh, that just because the Earth is a globe doesn't follow immediately that's heliocentric, and, and, and flat earthers confuse that all the time. I get tired of trying to correct them, but uh, it, it's almost a, it's really a losing battle on that front. But yeah, they they, they believe there's a big conspiracy, and uh, they even tie this to the the, the delusion in uh, times that the Apostle Paul uh, told about that there would be a delusion, said strong delusion to. Uh, they would believe a lie rather than the truth. And when they go there, that's very dangerous because it's very clear that that great delusion is sent to the unsaved and not to the born-again people. And so if you start accusing professing followers of Christ that we've been fooled by this end-time delusion, then you're making flat-earth belief essential for salvation now, aren't you? Mm -hmm. And that's a 
I, I ask people, find others about that, and they, they start backing up at that point, but that is where they're, they're taking us in all of this. So yeah, they tie, they tie ancient paganism together with this, they tie uh, end-time prophecies, they tie all sorts of things together in this, this big package of a, of a big conspiracy. Now in your book, I've seen a drawing of this. Uh, I would refer to it as a, a cake holder or something. You know, it's you got your flat surface and then you got a half a round, a half a sphere over something to protect a pie or a cake on a, you know, on a table yep. or something like that. But that's kind of how they see the Earth is like that, correct? Sometimes I call it a snow globe Earth. Yeah. Uh, you've got a, just a, just a, a hemisphere or a dome over top of the Earth. That's the firmament uh, that's mentioned in, in uh, Genesis one, particularly in day two when God made that. It's the Modern translations tend to say uh, expanse rather than firmament. That there's a long history how that translation came about, um, but they, they say that it's a it's a dome over top of the flat earth. That's basically their cosmology. Now, this of course isn't something new. This has been around for a while. I think you said the flat earth movement kind of goes back to the 1800s, early 1800s, around 1838 or something like that. Yeah, there's a guy named Samuel Robottom. He was a, an Englishman. And um, around 18, 1840, 1850, somewhere around there, I forget exactly when now, he did what's called the Bedford Level Experiment. The Bedford Level is this um, uh, river that's been straightened and drained. It's over the eastern part of England in a very flat area. There's almost no vertical relief. So there's, um, you've got this straight section of river about six miles long. And uh, what he did is he, he got down in one end of it uh, with, a, with, a, with a telescope down about eight inches um, above the water. What he did is he put on some waders, apparently, and waded out in the water and set up this, this tripod with the telescope eight inches above the water. And uh, he asked another person to take this rowboat with a, uh, with a placard or a banner or a flag on it and to row the six miles to the other end. Now, the eight inches and the six miles is important because if the Earth is a globe 25,000 miles around, then after one mile... If you're eight inches above the, the surface of the water, then the uh, water, uh, the, the tangent would be about one mile away. So the boat is rowing away, and you'd see the entire boat until it got one mile away. Beyond one mile, it would start to disappear over the curvature of the Earth. If you rose up higher, then it would take farther to do that. If, you, if, you're, if you're six feet above the water, it would take you uh, three miles to do that. So we got down eight inches. And he did the calculation, and after uh, the, the whole six miles, five miles beyond the first mile, you should have something like 24 feet of um, hidden hidden by the curvature of the Earth. And the boat wasn't nearly that tall. And so he reasoned that if the Earth is a globe, then the boat should disappear after a few miles. But it turns out he could see the boat the entire way. So he said the Earth must not be a globe. It must be flat. And that was a starting point. And uh, he wrote a couple of books, <clears throat> began to promote this. Certainly by the 1870s or so, the movement would really caught on, had a lot of uh, fans or supporters in England, in the United States, South Africa, uh, around the world, people all around the globe, people <laughs> began to talk about Flat Earth. And that was um, the movement. It grew until it, um, probably around the early part of uh, the turn of the last century, uh, and then shortly after 1900, uh, interest began to wane. There were a number of books published uh, between 1880 and, say, 1910, and then the, the movement kind of faded away. It's interesting, there was a cult that uh, controlled the city of Zion, Illinois, a yeah. guy named uh, Voliva, 
uh, was in charge of that cult, and they ran the town. Uh, they ran all the industry in town, the schools, the government, and apparently they taught in the schools there until well into the 20s or 30s that the earth, the earth was flat, one of those rare exceptions where that was done. But anyway, it faded and, and really went away completely. Uh, the Flat Earth Society started up in uh, 1956, I believe, and it was like a one-man operation. There have been several Flat Earth Societies since then, but the whole movement was rebirthed uh, about a decade ago. Uh, you mentioned Eric DeBay earlier. He discovered some of these books from a century earlier, and he began uh, making YouTube videos about it. And I, I blame him as, <laughs> as the person who unleashed this into the 21st century. Well, folks, stay with us, and we're going to talk more about this right after this. This is Mark Taylor. If you miss a broadcast of Crosspoint, you can always go to our website at www.kneo.org and click on the Programs page. There you can access the current Crosspoint program as well as the last four programs that have been aired. Never miss another Crosspoint program again. Go to www.kneo.org today. Welcome back to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. Uh, my guest today is Dr. Danny Faulkner. We're talking about Falling Flat, a book that's out, uh, talking about these people, different ones that have these claims that the earth is flat. There are people out there that believe this, and from a Christian standpoint, we're talking about this today. Now, uh, Dr. Faulkner, tell people how they can find out more about this book and the ministry that you do as well. Okay, I, I work for Answers in Genesis. I'm in the research department. I'm the astronomer here, and... Um, we have plenty of, we have a great website, answersingenesis.org. We have uh, thousands of articles, about 30 of which are about Flat Earth. If you just go to our website, answersingenesis.org, and type Flat Earth in, in, in the search engine, you will uh, find most of my articles and blogs pretty quickly. I also have a, a um, presentation I do. It's about 45 minutes about Flat Earth, and we have it. It's been recorded. Also, my book is available uh, through us as well. So if you search there, you can find both of those products uh, that are available on our website. All right. Now, I'm, I'm going to just touch as we go off the first chapter of the book. By the way, folks, this is a pretty good-sized book, so a lot of information inside of it. Uh, you say, I've always suspected that there's a hidden agenda between the recent revival of the 19th century flat earth belief. We biblical creationists frequently are accused of believing that everything in the Bible is literally true. I think that there are people out there who are saying, if you think it's literal, then I'll show you literal. This is part of the motivation behind the modern flat earth movement is to undermine the credibility of the creation science movement. Therefore, you said that's the third reason that you wrote this book was to kind of counterattack that. So they want to kind of debunk what you do. There are many motivations that people bring to this. Um, there are people who are true believers. I've met a number, and I don't doubt their sincerity about all of this. But I, there are several people in the movement that I suspect are doing it for nefarious reasons. Some of them are doing it, I think, uh, as a big prank. They uh, want to uh, uh, see how many people they can snooker with some pretty lame arguments. And I, I won't name any names of people I suspect on that front. Also, some of these people are monetized until about uh, three and a half years ago. Uh, actually, YouTube channels and such were, were sending them a lot of money as people uh, watch their shows. But still, you can, you can have uh, patrons, you can have subscribers, and people will continue to send your money. So there are actually people making money doing this. I always hate to bring up the, 
the, the money aspect, because, you know, no matter what we do, it's always for the money because we have to make a living. But I think some of these people could, could do better, more gainfully employed doing something else, something serious. But behind all of that, I do believe there are some people that may have helped unleash this and have encouraged this movement because they view it as being a parody of the, of the uh, creation science movement. Uh, I see some of our arguments uh, being mangled and used uh, there. I think that I think some of them kind of mimic uh, some of the arguments we recent creationists use. So I don't think it's accidental at all. I think there's a hidden agenda there of some people, at least, who have, who have encouraged this movement, if not helped start it or promote it, uh, who are just trying to lampoon creationists. And uh, I've heard from um, some people who are secular people who are opposing the Flat Earth Movement, too, and they want nothing to do with me. I, I did go on to a, a, a YouTube, well, it was on a YouTube channel, an interview uh, about a year ago with a fellow. Uh, he's a believer, doesn't agree with me on, on the age of the earth, that's fine. Um, but uh, we were talking about uh, astronomy problems and the flat earth argument, and almost all the people who were commenting in the chats there were uh, non-flat earthers who were saying, I'm, I'm worse than the flat earthers because you know, you're, a, you're a creation scientist. <laughs> So yeah. it was very frustrating because these people couldn't even even recognize an ally on on something that they they believe as well. They they wanted absolute purity. Since I didn't agree with them about billions of years and evolutionary ideas, then I was I was worthless, worse than worthless. I was worse than the flat earthers because I was should know better. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that going on. Now I've noticed also in in the book you talk about. And I have one of these books, and you know, and it's referred to in the Bible, but the book of Enoch. Uh, you talk how they bring this book into this discussion and also even talk about the Nephilim and stuff. So kind of give us an insight to that of where their thinking is and from the book of Enoch and uh, kind of trying to tie it into part of the Bible, which it's not. It's just referred to. So tell us about that. Now, the book of Enoch is something that has really risen up in the last 10 years. It's not just Flat Earthers have been talking about it, though they seem to be the most prominent ones out there. I see this real rise among Christian audiences out there talking about the Book of Enoch, and uh, I've heard many Flat Earthers say that it was once part of the Bible what was taken out, and that's never been the case. It's never been part of the part of the canon. I think the reason why they like it so much is because it does seem to be a, a maybe a Flat Earth cosmology. I've read through the book trying to figure it out, and uh, it talks about uh, this this uh, doors or, or openings that or gates that the sun and the moon pass through as they rise each morning and then set each each night. And uh, there are again the the cosmology of uh, of one Enoch is is uh, is does appear to be flat Earth, though not the same flat Earth model that most flat Earthers today endorse. They kind of miss that point. And um, Rob Skiba, you mentioned earlier, he's one of the fellows who really promoted that, and he also promoted the stuff about the Nephilim quite a bit. He went for the fantastic, I say past tense, because Rob unfortunately died a couple of years ago. I was really sad because Rob and I had a pretty good relationship, I think. But he um, uh, he promoted the Nephilim, and, and he was making good money off of Book of Enoch and Nephilim and tying it to Bible prophecy and everything. And uh, he wrote at least one book on the Nephilim. I, I've seen people have written two or three books on the Nephilim. And you know what? The Nephilim are only mentioned once <laughs> there in Genesis. It talks about the uh, sons of God and the daughters of men, and it mentions that these uh, Nephilim men of renown, and they're mentioned in passing. That, that's it. They're mentioned in passing. And the only other time they're even mentioned at all is... Uh, 
when the spies were sent into the land, uh, when they were scouting the land before they were supposed to enter, and they, uh, the 12 spies came back, and 10 of them said, you know, these people there, they're huge, they're like the Nephilim, uh, and we're like grasshoppers compared to them. They didn't say they were Nephilim, they said they're like the Nephilim. So you got the Nephilim mentioned in one verse, one part of one verse in Genesis, and in passing at that, and people write two and three books on the subject. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's really kind of weird and out of, out of all really out of kilter. And it's tied into this idea that the Nephilim are going to return, and they're tied up in end times prophecies, and they think the Nephilim may even be in the world today already, setting up for the end time prophecies. And of course, they're tying a bunch of, a bunch of stuff together that really Scripture doesn't go there and talk about it all. So it's a lot of speculation. Well, if the Nephilim was here, you'd be able to tell it by their size. So I don't. I would how, think so. I would, yeah, I wouldn't think you would be able to miss that. So let's just say. A person knows somebody that is like this. Maybe they're in their family, and they're always wanting to have a discussion every time they have a family get-together or whatever. Could there be something in this book that can help people that will help them kind of talk and give some insight to people that they know that believe this? I, I would like to say yes, but you know what? It's been my experience that once people go deeply enough into the Flat Earth movement, they are impossible to reach. And it's, it's like a cult. You know, if you talk to cult members, they've got their talking points. They come to you and they've got this and this and this. They want to they talk to you and take you down their primrose path to reach their conclusions. And if you offer any, any arguments, biblical arguments or otherwise, that are counter to what they have to say, it's as if you said nothing at all. I mean, cult members, you can't get through to them because they're so indoctrinated. They're going to tell you what they think and what they believe, and you better agree with them. They're not about to have a discussion that maybe they're wrong. And uh, I think intervention is the key. You have to you have to get people before they they fall down too deeply into the ra- that rabbit hole. It's uh, I've pulled a few people back from the brink, but my experience has been if they get deeply involved in it, they will not listen to reason anymore. So I'm, I, I say in my book a couple of times that I didn't really write the book for flat earthers. Uh, I, I wrote the book for people who are looking for answers, not people who have already found the answers. And that's that's the problem. Yeah, uh, there's plenty of information in there refutes the ideas. But it, and I don't, I'll relay something to you. A couple of years ago, there was a, I heard about a man at, at a church, and um, I offered to sit down and talk with the man, and the pastor took me up on this. He asked his parishioner, would you be willing to come? And he said, yes. So they came here, the pastor and his parishioner, and they sat in my office for probably three hours. And he had a list. He wrote down stuff, and he'd bring something up, and I would explain to him how this was wrong. And I, scriptural, scientific, all wide range. I let him, I said, you know, talk to me. And every point he brought up, I had a very clear refutation. And the pastor privately told me later, he said, you answered every one of his arguments. But ultimately, it made no difference at all. And it wasn't surprising, about six months later, I got a call from the pastor, and he told me that this family had left the church. Again, getting back to the fact that people end up isolating themselves because they can't they can't really support and, and live under the authority of a church and a, and a pastor that uh, 
that is, is being blinded or fooled by this great lie that they think is being perpetrated on the world. So I'm very pessimistic. I, I would love if flatters earthers would read my book, but I'm, I'm convinced very few of them actually have even bothered to read it, which is so sad, really. Have you found that any of this is being taught in our public schools? Flat Earth? Yes, the Flat Earth Movement. Uh, no, I don't think it is. It's something that has come up frequently it, it, when it kind of blew on the scene several years ago. There were grade school teachers that were that were just <laughs> beside themselves <laughs> because they had they had they would talk about they were talking about the grade schools like third grade, fourth grade, yeah. and even first graders. And you would tell them, you know, that the Earth is a globe, and a number of the students would laugh. No, it's not. And they just thought the teacher was stupid. And, you know, how do you, how do you handle that? You're a grade school teacher and your grade school kids are laughing at you thinking that you're an idiot. Uh, that never happened when I was growing up. I can't even relate to it. Part of that was driven by some athletes. Kyrie Irving was one uh, who, oh, it's been about seven, six, seven years ago now that he, he said he was a flat earther. It said, he came out later and said, well, he was just playing around. He wasn't really serious. But, you know, millions of kids across this country took him seriously when he said that. Well, you know, my favorite basketball player is a flat earther. He must be right. And uh, so it's, it comes up in classrooms often enough. But I, I don't think it's being taught in any public school classrooms. I think if it were, uh, the uh, administrators and the Board of Education probably would come down on that. Yeah. Yeah. So now, again, tell people on this Falling Flat, your book, uh, how they can f- get a copy of this book, find out more about it. And also maybe even somebody out there listening could interact with you there at Answers in Genesis. Yeah. The, uh, again, the, the website is Answers in Genesis, uh, all one word, AnswersInGenesis.org. You, uh, if you type Flat Earth in the search there, my various articles and blogs that have written about the Flat Earth movement over the last six years will come up. And uh, you'll also... Uh, I'm sure the book and two DVDs. There's a one DVD of me giving a presentation, and another uh, uh, there that I was part of. So I'm actually in two uh, anti-flat Earth DVDs as well. And you know, here uh, I don't speak very often at the uh, Ark Encounter or the Creation Museum. We have speakers every day, but when I do speak, one of the talks I give is uh, on the flat Earth. So uh, people come to the museum or the Creation Museum or the Ark Encounter, if they check the schedule ahead of time, they can find out that I may be speaking on the day they visit. Mm-hmm. And I've had some flat earthers actually come, come to my talks. Oh, uh, good. Times. I've had flat earthers in audiences, and usually it's been pretty good. I was on the road recently where it didn't go so well, <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah, they got into it. Yeah. Uh, by, by the way, we get that question a lot. You know, Ken Ham uh, tells me he gets that question on the road. We get nasty mail from people who are upset. They think we're compromisers, and they want nothing to do with us again. And all our speakers from time to time get kind of uh, in the Q&A, uh, get, get, uh, have this brought up. Yeah. Well, folks, stay with us, and we're going to continue this discussion in just a moment. Offering words to encourage, teaching to inspire, and truth that defines real life. This is who we are, what we offer, and what you can expect. 91.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosspoint. This is Mark Taylor. I have with me today Dr. Danny Faulkner. Interesting, talking about flat earth, falling flat is the title of the book we're talking about today. And it really does make you think about what people believe. I want to read on chapter 13, the conclusion of the book here. It says, uh, 2005 popular author of New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman wrote the best-selling book, The World is Flat. Okay, that's not what you think. The book had 
the subtitle, A Brief History of the 21st Century, and Friedman used the flat earth as a metaphor of rapid changes that have been leveling the playing field in the terms of commerce for economics around the world. But what happened from that? Did people run with it that that it was the other way and all that or but you know because sometimes it's like you say something but you really that's not what you're saying yeah that that book really uh, doesn't resonate much with the flat earth movement because it really isn't about flat earth that's right. really just a provocative title and when uh, uh, Friedman wrote that art uh, that book uh, 20 years ago uh, that was you know a decade before the flat earth movement was rekindled and I think if he were writing that book today, he might not use that title yeah. quite so uh, so much there. So that that book really doesn't appear on the on the radar. About the same time, uh, a woman named Christine Garwood in England wrote a book, uh, Flat Earth. It's a history of the flat Earth movement, and um, it was good up to really about the year two thousand. And I've read that book and made a lot of notes out of it. She really did a masterful job of doing the history of some of the people like Row Bottom and. Uh, believe I learned a lot of things about them I wouldn't have known otherwise. I, she's aware of the, of the flat earth movement blown up in the last decade or so, and I understand for, from, a, from another friend of mine who contacted her about it, she's not interested in, in getting involved in the war anymore. Uh, she was a historian, and she was con- interested in the 19th and 20th century version, but she's not interested in engaging in the 21st century, and I respect her attitude on that. Now, page 355 of the book, you said, it seems that many of the leaders of the Flat Earth Movement are members of a secretive organization that has the initials IPB. And then on the other page, it says the IPB has been working behind the scenes to get the Flat Earth Movement going. So what is this? Who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, that was a bit of satire that I did it, it, uh, as a blog that I... Uh, I actually did on my personal Facebook page. It was on April 1st, uh, five uh, years ago, 2018. And I was claiming here that these people were part of the IPB. And uh, they and as soon as it hit on my Facebook page, people really, really got got worked up uh, about all of this. And I and I go in there and talk about some of the so the people are upset with me about this. A super secret society. It was supposed to be like the, the, the Freemasons are supposedly right. behind the, the whole Glober thing, as well as the Jesuits and the and Jewish Zionists and so forth. And what I was doing, the IPB, I kind of made up. That was the International Possum Brotherhood, if anybody's yeah. a fan of Red <laughs> Green. <laughs> yeah. that's, what I was, that's what I was doing. So this went on for a few days, a couple of days, and I, I had flat earthers out there really lambasting me, really getting upset with me. And they didn't realize it was just a parody. It was a joke that I was doing. It told you how wound up these people are. But they have all sorts of crazy conspiracies they talk about. I go in there and talk about Jack Parsons, who was a weird guy, a founder of JPL, Jet Propulsion Laboratory, way back years ago, and Walt Disney, and how they, they were. Walt Disney was 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 a big Satanist and child molester, and on and uh, stuff they tell is just unbelievable. Um, and so I was lampooning their their very conspiratorial arguments, and they didn't realize that I was lampooning them. At another time, I took a, a mason jar. And uh, it says Mason right on the front, and I put this little little mannequin, little not a ten inch, eight, it's probably seven inch tall mannequin, giving the flat Earth symbol uh, to hold your arm up in front of your chest horizontally. And um, um, and I also had, uh, it turns out I have a uh, letter opener that's a Masonic letter opener, belonged to one of my grandfathers, and I don't know how I became possession of the thing. 
Uh, I've, by the way, I've never been a Freemason. <laughs> I'm going to make that very clear. I put it in there along with uh, uh, a pair of, comp- of a compass that looked like a uh, looked like a, a divider, which is a which is a Masonic symbol. And I post that on my personal Facebook page. And again, the, the flat earthers lit up with it. They were following me, and they were saying, "He's admitting he's amazing." <laughs> Yeah. And I was playing with them. That's all I was doing. And I had people this day sometimes will contact me and ask me, are you a Mason? Are you a Freemason? I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> so it's, it's funny as can be. But uh, I've I, I played with them twice now like that, and, and they took the bait every time and didn't realize what I was doing at all. I had to explain it to them, and still they didn't like it. <laughs> now, you do say something here about why has the flat earth movement spread so quickly? You say the rise of social media. You say the internet and social media have changed all that. Many people spend countless hours sifting or surfing the web, exposing themselves to many things that in the past they would have not been so easy to find. You say the rise of the internet was preceded by decreasing trust in institutions, but the internet has intensified the suspicion of authority. That's a good way to put it, but the internet is kind of the big culprit, maybe, in helping produce this or get this out. And I, if we're not, if it weren't for the internet, we wouldn't be having this discussion because it made it possible in the past. If you wanted to promote something like this, how could you get people to, to get hear about it? You'd have to you'd have to invite people in to hear you speak, and that'd be hard to advertise. You could write books or pamphlets, but then you got to get them out there. You can send them to libraries for free at your expense, but but they would they're not obligated to put them in their collections. But now anybody with just a few bucks can. Uh, uh, can put up a website and say anything they want, and there are all sorts of views of alternate history and alternate reality out there. It's a real subculture, and uh, used to be until about three years ago, three and a half years ago, if you started looking for kooky things, uh, the search engines such as Google would continue to feed you these things. So when I first started researching the flat Earth movement uh, seven years ago. It was easy as pie to find uh, flat Earth and stuff. I could just type in flat Earth, and I would get thousands and thousands of hits. And every one of them seemed to be promoting flat Earth. I had to search really hard to find anything out there refuting it. But about four years ago, they made a change, and now they don't recommend these things. And it's very difficult to find flat Earth material out there on the Internet. Not like he used to be. It's completely flipped around on this. But the cat's out of the bag. There's a lot of suspicion now with you know people, all sorts of conspiracies. I, I've got two on my mind. I won't mention right now, but uh, it's caused people to have all sorts of suspicions about all sorts of institutions, government and otherwise. And it's just a it's a frightening time. And let, let me say this: uh, I think the thing that's driving this, you know, that's that's the vehicle. But what what may, what attracts people to things like this? It's the appeal of Gnosticism. It's an ancient idea. The Greeks had it. It was a problem in the early church. Uh, there are many different manifestations, but the root of Gnosticism is, it comes from the word, Greek word for knowledge, and it's this thirst for secret knowledge. If you attain that knowledge, then it either brings salvation or a higher level of spirituality. And this is why gossip and why conspiracy theories are so popular with so many people, because they have found the truth. They know what, they've figured out what really goes on, is going on, and they feel very good about themselves for having figured it out. And you, too, if you pay attention to me, can learn more about what's really going on, and you, too, can be enlightened. And that's that uh, allure of secret knowledge, and that really goes back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, the, temp- the tempter comes in, Satan comes in, the, the serpent says to Eve, um, you know, well, you won't really um, uh, die, you will uh, have knowledge of good and evil. 
and that looked like something to be desired in Eve's eyesight. So this attraction of secret knowledge is built into us big time, yeah. and I think that's that that's what's really driving people to be attracted to this sort of thing. Yeah. Would not Satan want to be involved in something peddling this idea of a flat earth? Uh, doesn't this kind of help with his efforts in trying to discredit the Bible, discredit anything that of God? Absolutely. I think I think that's the big why. It's ironic that it's just the complete reverse of what they're claiming. And along with it comes a, a boatload of other, other sort of um, errors. Uh, there's one prominent flat earther out there, I won't mention his name, uh, who talks about Scripture a lot, quotes it a lot, but he has embraced all sorts of uh, aberrant theology. He is uh, a non-Trinitarian, uh, for instance. He, he was raised up in a, in, a, in a Southern Baptist church, and his theology today is simply the reverse of everything he was taught. They were Trinitarian, oh, hence he's not Trinitarian. Uh, he was taught that you cannot lose your salvation, hence you can lose your salvation. Uh, he's just gone the line. Everything he believes is, is the negation of what he was taught growing up. And that's that secret knowledge again coming in. And that, those are about a lot of big lies being fed out there and uh, heresy, heretical ideas that he's, that he's embraced. And that's, that's the big danger. It's, a, it's not just the flat earth is a, is a lie, but it's also the other baggage that comes along with it, unfortunately. Now, in the back part of the book, you said there's many examples of how flat earthers think that they are the ones who have figured out the truth with the rest of us continue to be hoodwinked. The attraction of secret knowledge plays out to our pride. Therefore, it is pride that goes gets people to believe that the earth is flat. So pride is part of this, uh, what's driving people? Oh, yeah, that's the, the, pride, the, the pride of satisfaction of knowing that you have arrived and you've attained a secret knowledge that few people have found. And I also go on to say that pride takes you there, but pride keeps you trapped. Because the arguments for the Earth being flat are very poor arguments. I have not met a flat Earth argument I could not refute. There are a couple of them that took a little time to figure out, but most of them are very easy to refute. All of them I, I can refute them uh, that I've all seen. And um, if you have gotten out there and come out to your family and friends and, and even become a speaker about flat Earth, the only way you can get out of that is to admit to yourself and everybody else you talk to that you were fooled by some very bad arguments. And that's humiliating. Uh, instead of being the head of the class, you weren't even within five miles of the schoolhouse. And that's pretty embarrassing for people. So pride will get you into the movement and pride will keep you trapped there. That's the problem. All right. So the last uh, part of the book here, there's 377 pages. That's where I'm at. So folks, uh, a lot of information you can glean from this book. Here's what you say in these last couple of pages. There are at least two uh, looming problems with flat earthers' opinion on this. First, the, conf the confusion, the distinction between operational science and historical science. You say the second problem is the flat earthers don't grasp the creationists and the evolutionists to, that live in the same world. Uh, but they each, but they reach very different conclusions because their assumptions are different. This is because the interpretation of the facts it is so different. However, it seems that the flat earthers are trying to live in a different world, and I've been frustrated in dealing with flat earthers because so many of them simply just choose to ignore data and important information. So these are the two big problems looming out there. Is this and these areas of historical. Uh, science, operational science, and uh, with the evolutionists and the creationists. 
Yeah, you know, the, uh, the thing is, we, <clears throat> we creationists, we, we accept the, the world we live in, and we, we agree with evolutionists on far more than you might think, because we look at the world as it now exists, we can study as it now exists, but the problem we run into is when we start talking about past prophecies that nobody has observed, nobody can observe, and we can't really test the way we can in the world here and now, uh, people like to make a comparison with flat Earth, but you know what? The flat uh, the Earth's shape is a question we can probe in the here and now. It's not a question of the past. We know we can look and see what the shape of the Earth is right now. But whether the world is billions of years old or how the world came to be, those are questions that science as we generally know it can't can't uh, really address. And that's the reason why we make the separation between historical and what we also call sometimes operational science. And there's this blurring that takes place all the time. Evolutionists sometimes say, well, disbelieving evolution is like disbelieving gravity, but gravity can be tested and observed in the, in the present world. It's not a past process sort of thing. And when Flat Earth has been talking about this, they, they refer to the spinning um, monkey ball religion. You know, they, they want to tie evolution to belief that the Earth is a globe, and it doesn't follow at all. It's a huge confusion on that front. Well, again, uh, Dr. Faulkner, tell people how they can find out more about Falling Flat and uh, your work that you do there in this book. I'm at Answers in Genesis. We have a great website, AnswersInGenesis.org. We have many articles on our website. Some deal with Flat Earth, but many thousands of others that don't. But it's uh, the greatest resource on the on the planet uh, for looking for creation, evolution, and some other issues as well, some cultural issues and things like that. The content changes every day and uh, very searchable. So I highly recommend that people come here to find find answers. That's what we're all about. Answers in Genesis. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today on Crosspoint. You're very welcome. Have a great time. Well, great interview today, folks, with Dr. Danny Faulkner. And yeah, there's people out there that believe a lot of things that are true. And uh, Flat Earth, well, I've got another book here in my other hand, The Holy Bible. doesn't talk about those kind of things, but you can find all the truth you need to know and how to live that life because it is the book that leads you to eternal life because it's the inspired words of God and it'll lead you in truth. It's the Bible that contains the most important words you're ever going to read or certainly ever follow. Be sure to join us again next time as we again discuss issues that are affecting the church. Have a great week. Allow God to use you for His purposes so that greater things can be done. Make your life count in God's plans for eternity. I'm Mark Taylor. Crosspoint is a program produced in Studio 101 at KNAO Radio. Not all of the views on Crosspoint reflect those of the management or staff of KNAO. You may contact the Crosspoint program at 10827 Highway 86 East, the Osho, Missouri 64850, or by email crosspoint at kneo.org. You can hear Crosspoint four times a week, Saturday morning at 1, Saturday afternoon at 2, Saturday evening at 9, and Sunday evening at 7. You can also listen anytime on... Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri is proud to be sponsoring this portion of broadcasting on KNEO. Owned by Judy and Danny Harper, Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri specializes in French Bulldogs. For more information, the phone number is 417-628-3083.